a reading from Joshua. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having after having done you good and the people said to Joshua no we will serve the Lord and then Joshua said to the people you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Our Gospel reading today seems, at least at the surface, to be filled with contradictions. For a teacher who has taught us to share what we have, it seems strange that the heroes of this story, the bridesmaids who remembered to bring enough oil to keep their lamps lit, are unwilling to share what they have. And for someone who welcomes people into community and feeds them, it also seems strange that people are shut out of the wedding banquet. Jesus in this teaching, seems to be giving a warning to the early Christians and to us about being prepared and staying awake. And like most people, if we are over-comforted, if we are too comfortable, we might be like those bridesmaids who fall asleep and forget our role in the unfolding of things. But there is a deeper context which touches all of our readings today, 
And that is a context of communities that have been touched by profound trauma. It begins with that primordial reading where Joshua is giving orders to the people and reminding them that they must be loyal to God. And the people agree, not quite knowing what they sign up for, which is typical of God's people throughout Scripture and is typical, of course, for us as God's people so many generations later. But these are a people who have been through a great ordeal. They have come out of slavery in Egypt and they have wandered in the wilderness for generations. Many have suffered. Many have died. They have been uprooted. The roots have been pulled up, if you will, and burned for them. And here they are at the edge of promise, the edge of the promised land. And they are invited to step up and keep awake. Be ready, despite all that's happened. Moving into history, then, we have this reading from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. This little church in Thessalonica is actually the recipient of the first written pieces of Scripture we have in the New Testament. This is the earliest writing, dating somewhere around the middle of the first century. And the people in Thessalonica who have gathered around this new tradition, this new religion around Jesus Christ are a minority, and they probably have experienced some level of persecution and alienation. Their world has been uprooted, and the roots have been burned. And they were promised, or at least they believed they were promised, that Christ would come to them, and suddenly members of their community are dying. What happens now, they seem to be asking Paul. And so Paul writes to them to reassure them that the promise of Christ is not just for those who are left alive, but for those who have died. Promise for a people who have been traumatized. And an urge, again, an encouragement to stay awake. Keep awake. Be aware. When we get to today's gospel reading, we might hear that as predating Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. But in fact, what most scholars tell us is that Matthew was written towards the end of the first century. And this series of readings that we come to as we approach the end of the church year are the capstones of Jesus' teachings in the gospel of Matthew. And Matthew has left fingerprints of what was going on for that early Christian community in which he is writing or to which he is writing, maybe both. And that is a community that has also experienced profound trauma. A few verses before this, there is mention of the destruction of the temple and the desecration of the temple in Jerusalem, which tells us that the first recipients of this gospel were likely within living memory of the Romans destroying Jerusalem in 70 AD. The roots for both Jews and Christians of the time had been pulled up and burned. The very heart 
of who they thought they were and the city that identified them is gone. And so a number of scholars think that this early Christian community is living probably somewhere in Antioch, which is in modern-day Syria, trying to figure out where do we go from here? And Matthew offers them this teaching which probably comes out of the deep reservoir of memory of the disciples about Jesus reminding his followers to keep awake, keep the lamps lit, gather the oil, be ready. And these seem appropriate readings for this week when we have seen profound trauma unfold for some of our brothers and sisters in this country. The horror that happened last Sunday in Sutherland Springs, Texas, echoes with this same trauma that has been going on in Christian community from before history, it seems, was recorded. Our spiritual ancestors knew trauma, and in a profound way, the kingdom that Jesus talks about has been under threat of violence and power and dissolution from the very beginning. But we are called to keep awake, to keep our lamps lit. This was brought home to me just yesterday as about 40 members of the wider community gathered in the fireside room to celebrate the lives of two colorful characters of Mill Valley. The first, Tom, you might have met him down at Pete's. If you did meet him, you would remember him. He was a guy who was always on the er edge, it seems, of inventing something incredible, and he loved to talk about it to anyone who would listen. He was also, if I can be a little bit off color for a moment, a ladies' man. And so most ladies who ever went down around downtown Mill Valley probably met him at one time or another. He was always turning on the charm. He was one of our resident characters, and when he passed away in the spring, it was uncertain about how he would be remembered. And into that story, I bring another character who lived just down the street here on Lovell. Jeffrey, it turns out, was also a child of trauma. Jeffrey had survived, had barely gotten out with his life, the Oakland Hills fires back in the 1990s. And he collected his insurance money rather than rebuilding his home, and he moved to Mill Valley and bought a condominium just down here. And like many people who have experienced trauma, he set forth a very rigid, almost monastic style to his life, highly patterned. And I would see him going down the street every day, newspapers in hand, and he would go to the market, he would go to Pete's, he would kind of hide in Pete's behind his New York Times, and every once in a while lower his paper and give evidence that he understood history and had a memory like a steel vice. And then he would go back behind his paper again. And so he was also known as one of our colorful characters. I would pass him on the street almost on a daily basis, and I would say hi and smile 
and I would get barely a gruff grunt, and he would be on his way. Well, Jeffrey and I started to develop a relationship a few years ago when Jeffrey got in an accident. He was hit by a car and ended up in the hospital and then up in rehabilitation over at the Redwoods. And it just so happened that his roommate was a parishioner of ours, and I was visiting that parishioner one day, and I saw Jeffrey and recognized him, and we started up a conversation. Jeffrey, it turns out, had worked in one of the earliest biotech firms in the Bay Area. He was Caltech trained, which explained to me his pocket protector, which was the subject of a, a lot of quiet comedy on the streets of Mill Valley. The good news is that Jeffrey did not take himself too seriously. In fact, he had a wonderful and wicked sense of humor. And so if you got to know him a little bit, you discovered that behind that gruff exterior, there was a warm heart in there and also kind of a mirthful and brilliant mind, constantly turning the world upside down and inside out and looking at it slightly differently. And he was known after a time to take chess puzzles down to his buddies at Pete's and share them and let them duke it out over solving them. He would continue to hide, of course, behind his New York Times. This was Jeffrey. Well, after Tom died, Jeffrey approached me and he said, we need to do something. No one should die, he said, and not be remembered. And I said, okay, let's talk about that. And he got together with one of his neighbors right across the street here. And they started to make plans. Well, about three weeks ago, Jeffrey himself suddenly died. And so we were left holding these threads that he had helped pull together to remember Tom. And so yesterday we remembered both Tom and Jeffrey. Postcards had been put up the past couple of weeks in Pete's. We opened up the fireside room. Some of our neighbors brought together food and candles and flowers, and nobody knew how many people would come. But before you know it, the fireside room was filled with people, ready to tell story about these two characters that had become the fabric of our community. And these were people who were saying to me, you have a beautiful space here. I love your labyrinth. And I had opportunity to say, well, come back and visit us. We would love to see you. And it dawned on me how fortunate, how fortunate we are that not just our forebears here, but we too have kept the lamps lit, have kept the flasks of oil filled, have been waiting faithfully for people to come in, and we've been holding the door open for them. And so we were able to offer space and a recognition of two lives that might have otherwise been forgotten. And to give a place for community to reflect on what has passed, and our own grief, and yet our own celebration of life itself. A foretaste, if you will, of the wedding banquet that Jesus talks about in today's gospel. I want to return to Sutherland Springs, but not in a way you might think. It was hard this week.
because everybody began to posture the moment the terrible, horrific shooting happened there. And all the talking heads got going, as they do in the media. And all of the politicians began to take sides. And all of us on varying sides of the political spectrum began to assert our opinions about what should and what should not be. And as our country does, it got obsessed with the bright, shiny things and the urge to defend ourselves, even as we felt keenly as Christians gathered together in community our own vulnerability and no guarantee in our tradition of safety from that. I grew up in the Midwest, and I knew small towns like Sutherland Springs. They're tight-knit communities. Everybody knows everybody else's business. But they lean on each other, and they support each other, and they love each other through thick and thin. Sutherland Springs is no exception. And so as I listened this week, not to the headlines, but beneath the headlines, to the people who had actually gone there and spoken on the ground with the people there who were experiencing enormous trauma, one story started to rise above all the others. And that is this story. First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, for years, hosted a weekly meal for the entire community. Didn't matter whether you were baptized or Christian. Didn't matter whether you were poor or rich. Didn't matter what your political opinions were. If you wanted to come to dinner, you could come to dinner. And they hosted that week after week after week for years. This week, because their church building was shuttered up, possibly to never be opened again in its present form, and the community had been shattered by an event beyond imagination. The town hosted a dinner for the people of the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. The lamps were kept lit. The wedding banquet had been set. Someone had heard Jesus' call to keep awake. And that is our task as Christians gathered around communion. All of us, we remember this week as we celebrate Veterans Day, have been touched by trauma. All of our societies, all of our cultures, all of our backgrounds, all of our families have been touched by the violence that this world brings. But Jesus asks us to stay awake and follow a different path, that path of the wedding banquet of welcome, of holding light in the darkness, of keeping hope alive, even when it is midnight. Because what Jesus tells us is that it is at midnight that the bridegroom comes. It is into the very depths of our darkness and suffering that God shows up. So be ready. Be open, keep your lamps lit, your wicks trimmed, and hold the doors open for that love which has been set down for the world, for each of us, 
from before time. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.